Well, hello, everybody. It's John Burke here with Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are here for another episode of Burke Reviews Movie Club, episode number 15, in fact. And we'll be talking about the Netflix original film, The Fundamentals of Caring. Um, but before we do that, let's just have a little bit of conversation here. How you doing, Corey? I'm doing great. How are you? I am oh, so excited right now. Like, so excited. I don't even know another word except for so. Because if you were like, how excited are you? I'd be like, so. Because I don't know what else to say because I am so excited. Do you know I why? I feel like, is it because of the Florida Film Festival? Well, or... yes, but that's another week. Star Wars celebration. It's for the Star Wars freaking celebration, everybody. I will be going and nerding out for the next four days uh, in honor of Burke Reviews um, for the Star Wars celebration. If you are uh, listening to this... That means I'm already at the Star Wars Celebration because we're recording this early. We usually record on Friday nights, um, but we're recording uh, we're recording on a Wednesday um, because of the Star Wars Celebration because I'm going to be out crazy all this weekend. In fact, my weekend is looking pretty full because I had to, I got to take off tomorrow from work. Uh, second day of this week, I'm taking off for Burke Reviews-related stuff, and my boss is so cool about it, and I'm so grateful for her, but... Um, I am going to the Star Wars Celebration in the daytime, and then Mike and I, uh, Michael Sanchez, who does the Top 5 Movies podcast and writes for BerkReviews.com, um, he and I are going to uh, a screening of a film that Corey and I are going to be talking about momentarily when we talk about the trailers and the upcoming releases for next week. Um, and then Friday night, uh, well, Friday day, I will be going to the Star Wars Celebration and hoping to see a trailer for The Last Jedi because the director... I think Ryan Johnson is going to be there um, doing a panel, and I'm going to try my best to get into the panel. And then Friday night, I'm taking my daughter and two of her friends and my wife to go see Panic at the Disco, playing at the Orlando Amway Arena. And then Saturday, Mike and I are going back to the Star Wars Celebration. Where I think we're going to be there all day on Saturday. We're going to be there till the end of the night sort of thing. They are doing screenings, Corey, of Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and The Force Awakens Saturday night. I'm trying to convince Mike we have to watch all three. Um, Why are you killing me, Mike? So, for the love of goodness, please go. Um, and then Sunday, Sunday, our Jedi Lord and Savior comes to the Orlando Arena. On uh, he will have risen again. I'm sorry, everybody. I could not help make that <laughs> joke. I apologize if I've offended you. I mean nothing by it. But if you are a Star Wars nerd like me, Mark Hamill is going to be at the Orlando Arena, not the Orlando Arena, the Orlando Convention Center for the Star Wars Celebration. Um, doing two panels on Sunday. So I am determined to get into one. If I have to stand there for six hours, I do not care. Um, because Mark freaking Hamill, he is the Joker, he is Luke Skywalker, and he is my hero. And I must, uh, I probably won't get to meet him, but I must see him and hear what he has to say on Easter Sunday because it just feels so nerdly appropriate. Um, and again, I apologize all if I've offended anybody. I, I mean nothing by it. But, sorry, not sorry. I'm you know, kidding. The force is strong with this one. So um, what are you doing this weekend, Corey? <laughs> nothing that cool. I feel like someone should get me a consolation prize. Uh, well, I heard there is a potato convention going on in Idaho this weekend. Um, uh, <laughs> no. We might be able to pull um, some strings. Um, maybe I oh can bat a few okay. eyes. Okay, it's not that bad. That was the potato okay. pun. Okay. Um, did, did you catch the potato pun? I mm, bad I a did. few eyes. I mean, come on, come on. I can't. Come on. Come I on. just can't, okay. guys. I don't choose to live here. Um. So Saturday, our 
Capital City Market is reopening, and I love that so much because they close off two roads, and they all these vendors set up. They um, sell, like, oh, my gosh, beautiful, fresh flowers. I'm getting so many flowers. Um, oh, my gosh. I... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm being a girl. And um, I'm going to have street tacos, too. I'm sorry that I don't have the freaking Star Wars. Wait a second, Corey. Corey, hold on. Let's go back to the street tacos. Tell me more. um, Okay, so, yeah, they set up all these vendors have delicious food. And I'm getting street tacos. Sometimes I get crepes. But there are all these delicious food vendors that set up, too. And you can buy, like, fresh produce and stuff like that, too. I love that stuff. I'm a girl. You sound like such a Floridian when you say crepes. It's pronounced creepies. No. Oh. Oh. The, um. Anyways, so that was my, my daughter had a school dance last Friday. Uh, oh, sorry, Saturday, and that was what they served the kids was creeps. I meant crepes, and uh, that they got one. They got one crepe per kid. Can you imagine getting one crepe? They work though. Do you ever watch them make them? Oh, I'm not doubting the the. But this is like they paid a ticket and dinner is included and dinner was a crepe. Yeah, so uh, I was a little like, um, hello. Let's uh, and I, I may have friends that work there that are listening to this. And if so, what's the deal, y'all? One crep, one creepy per kid. Like, I don't, I don't think that's enough food, uh, especially for really? growing teenagers. Um, I was gonna say that. Yeah, they're all thirteen and um, hungry. So did I pronounce that incorrectly? I am so self conscious right now. <laughs> Which the the creepy thing? Yeah, I know it's okay. A lot of people say creep crepes. I keep I keep screwing it up now that I'm making the joke. I can't get it right. <laughs> oh, no. I've messed myself up. All right. Um. I also uh I went to my first screening for the Florida Film Festival on Tuesday. Actually, unfortunately, my only uh critic screening that I'm probably gonna be able to attend because of all this other stuff. But um, I got to see a documentary called Unrest that um dealt with a very interesting subject matter. Uh, that my review is up online to uh well when you're hearing this it's already up, but it was going up on Thursday. Um. It's a really interesting movie. If you're in the Florida area and you have a ac- uh, chance, it is only uh, playing during the festival on Monday night at 6.30. Um, but it's if you're able to go, I recommend it. It is a very compelling documentary, and I'd love to hear some other people's thoughts on the subject matter because it is a subject of a disease called um, chronic fatigue syndrome, or ME, which I forget what ME... I can't remember. Like It's, it's big words, um, and I don't remember what they are, but it's a disease that is... Um, a lot of people are very skeptical about whether or not it's real. Like there are, I think 200,000 diagnosed cases of it, but it's one of those diseases where it looks like people are faking in some instances and in other instances, it looks very severe and it's um, definitely believable. I think the correct term is disorder as well um, versus disease, but it is, uh, it's a very well-made documentary. It's very compelling. And it's one that I still feel skeptical about it. But I don't want to because that's actually part of the problem with the disease is so many people that are diagnosed um, lose loved ones. And there's even countries still that will uh, institutionalize people who claim they have it because they think it's a psychological disorder, which new evidence is pointing it towards being a physio- physiological disorder. Um, and so it's it's definitely worth uh, the more people who see it, the more this disease will maybe or this disorder can be diagnosed and treated and maybe a cure even found um, to help people because the life of the people who suffer from the illness is basically non-existent. They're usually bed-stricken, and it's it's rough. And it's, again, pretty interesting doc. Um, definitely recommend if you can see it. It also debuted at Sundance, I believe, this year. So it's it's made the festival runs. Um, definitely worth watching. 
All right, we're going to move into our trailers. Um, this is movies coming out April 21st. Um, there's five on the list. We, now, we've only watched three of the trailers. I've seen all five because I see a lot of movies in the theater, and so I see a lot of the trailers. But um, we're going to focus on three, and then I'll mention the other two at the end. Um, all three of these are supposedly, according to BoxOfficeMojo.com, getting wide releases on Friday. We'll see what happens. Um, the first one we'll talk about is the one that Mike and I are going to see at a critic screening tomorrow, um, and that's Free Fire. What do you think about Free Fire, Corey? I'm super jelly. <laughs> well, everybody knows that I love Killian Murphy, and I feel like we've been hearing about this movie for about ten years. Yeah, it has it has been uh, pushed back quite a bit. I, I remember seeing the trailer, I think, in the summer of last year. Um, real... Right? Okay. I thought I was crazy, but I felt like it had been a really long time. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, I'm looking to see if it has the original release date um, on IMDb, but I don't see it on cursory glance. They just have this coming Friday's date, but... Um, it's got, it stars Shartlow uh, Copley, Brie Larson, Arnie Hammer, Army Hammer, excuse me, Cillian Murphy, um, I don't know who that guy is, Sam Riley, uh, Michael Smiley, um, and Jack Rayner, who I am a big fan of. He played Brendan in Sing Street, the brother, the older brother. Um, oh. It is, from what I've heard, it's like a 90-minute shootout movie, um, and that's not supposed to be a bad thing, from what I've heard. It's got decent Metacritic score of 66. Um, the trailer looks fun. I am curious to see how they make it make sense for 90 minutes, because um, I believe that the uh, the trailer basically shows them all in a big warehouse, and a shootout kind of ensues, and that's the movie. I don't think there's any other real setup. I think it all kind of just happens from what I've understood, and I'm, I'll know for sure tomorrow night. I am looking forward to getting to see it, um, and finally getting to another critic screening. It has been a year, but what gives me the most hope about this movie, aside from Brie Larson, who was my number one actress on our epi- uh, Top 5 Movies actress episode, but um, it's A24. One of our favorites. Okay, probably our favorite. <laughs> um, distribution and production companies. They have consistently picked movies that just work for me. Green Room, uh, Swiss Army Man, The Lobster. Um, Moonlight, Ex- which Moonlight, I haven't been able to see. Ex Machina. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um and this is yet another one. And there's actually a ghost story that's coming out later this year is A24. I'm hoping I'm going to get a critic screening for that one. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's out there and uh, this looks pretty good. So if you haven't seen the trailer for that, you can check out our website, BurkeReviews.com. Uh, for this episode of the podcast, we will have it uh, right there. Easy to watch. And next up um, is The Promise with Oscar Isaac, uh, Christian Bale, I'm pulling up the rest of them because I don't remember all of their their names. This is also dated for, as a 2016 film that's just now making it out. Ooh, the Metacritic score on this is not promising. Only seven reviews, though, so that has some hope, but it's a 38 Metacritic score. Um, it it's also has a name I can't pronounce. Um, Angela Serafin, Serafian, Charlotte Lebon, who has got title credit at the beginning of the trailer. Oh, Jean Reno's in this. Um, and that's all I recognize doesn't mean there's not other famous people it is directed by terry george who i don't know by name but he has directed hotel rwanda oh he wrote i'm sorry he wrote hotel rwanda oh um and i enjoyed that movie oh he did direct it what they tricked me he directs and writes i guess what he does i haven't seen that to be honest and um i don't know the the trailer looks i gotta say i don't think the trailer looks very compelling um it's a based on a true story movie um, it definitely has, it's going to hit some human emotions, but like, I don't know. It feels, feels kind of dull in the trailer. 
Uh, agreed. I think, though, for our political climate right now. Maybe. You know? Um, but I am kind of interested about what's happening and where they are and why it's happening. But this might be a rental. But I do really love Oscar Isaac. I want to love Oscar Isaac. He was listed as uh, one of my two watch for um, actors when we did the best actors two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But... He he picked some random movies, um, and this looks like maybe one of those where he picked. Um, he had the, uh, oh man, I can't think of what it was called. Something it's like, oh man, my brain is dead. It, he he did a movie a couple years ago where he's like a mobster, and it it, <gasps> it had mixed reviews. Um, oh, I enjoyed it. I saw it in theaters. I'm trying. I'm pulling it up now because I cannot recall. Um, a most violent year. That's it. And I've heard, I've heard positive things from friends. Uh, I think the critics were a little in the middle on it. Um, he was in Mojave, which I haven't seen. Um, I haven't seen that one either. Actually, he's, he's in a few movies I haven't seen. Uh, I loved him in um, Ex Machina, of course. I loved him in Drive. I love him in Inside Llewellyn or Llewellyn Davis. And um, obviously as Poe, I'm a big fan. Um, I like Poe Dameron quite a bit. But this movie doesn't... Oh, and I didn't I didn't like him as Apocalypse. Um, I don't know if that was his fault as much as maybe Brian Singer's. Um, but... I, I didn't I didn't care for that movie kind of collectively. Um, there were good moments, but the moments were few um, compared to the overall film. And yeah, so he he's making some choices that I'm not sold on, which again doesn't mean it doesn't take away from his talent. Um, he could be taking it for the well, this movie doesn't look like it's gonna have a big payday, so it's probably not taking it for the money. but you know he is he seems like he's a really solid actor, but you know I, and I appreciate him wanting to do maybe a period piece, you know, feel a little more dramatic, kind of show off the skills. But maybe it's just the script isn't good. I don't know. The the critic score, again, only seven critics have reviewed it. So 33 isn't probably going to stick there. But the question is, will it go down, up? Or will it stay at 33? It's you know, definitely possible. So I don't know. I might check this one out if I'm not busy. But it comes out the same weekend as the film festival. And I'm already booked for Saturday and Sunday that weekend. And the following Saturday, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm booked. So I don't know that I'll have time to see it. And Maybe a slower week. It, well, really, if Free Fire was not in my critic screening, I probably wouldn't get to see any of these movies because of the film festival. So I'm kind of glad that I'm not really thrilled about any of the movies coming out next week. Um, except for Free Fire, but I will have already seen it, so it's all good. <laughs> um, because next up, we have a movie that I think looks ridiculously bad. Like, almost makes me want to throw up kind of bad. Um, and I'm sorry, I don't want to talk ill of movies, but it just looks painfully ridiculous and i've already talked negatively about this on our top five movie podcast because i like rosario dawson and that movie that's coming out this uh coming friday the 21st is unforgettable um unforgettable Corey, what do you think i'm kind of tired of watching movies about crazy women that just can't get over their husbands or ex-husbands i gotta say um katherine heigl has a bit of baggage um when it comes to her her movie career uh she's notorious for talking trash about her co-stars um she did it with seth rogan and knocked up she did it with gerard butler in whatever lazy nasty rom-com they were in together i can't remember because he did the bounty hunter with anison i think and then he was in another one with heigl like the same year and i don't remember what that one's called Truth. that is it yeah okay and she talked trash about him i mean like she is notorious for being kind of not a great person um and I don't know if that's resonated when I see her on screen. I just see crazy woman and she's playing a crazy woman. So it really, it just, it doesn't look compelling to me at all. Like really, really doesn't. And Rosaria Dawson, I enjoy, but this movie just feels 
like a really crappy like there was last year i think it was the the cradle or rob the cradle where like the guy see yeah why and then obviously this goes back to it it just feels like a knockoff of a fatal attraction or at least another iteration of that that premise and yes it worked very well with fatal attraction and the knock there's definitely room for knockoff movies there's there's no question that sometimes good things come from movies that that pull from other content. I mean, look at Tarantino's career. Most of Tarantino's films pull from other movies to some degree. Not usually one movie. He pulls from like 15 different movies. But, you know, I'm I'm not opposed to that. But I don't know if anybody wants this anymore. Like, do we need this? I, uh, first of all, women, just stop being crazy. Because even, like, I don't even know. But like you said, with Fatal Attraction, it was perfect. I saw that as a kid and I shouldn't have. And I haven't really seen it since then. I've seen like bits and pieces and I still remember that movie. Mm. It was perfect and terrifying. And I don't think that anybody's ever going to touch that again. And just like The Hand That Rocks the Cradle that also Uh. came out around the same time. It's been done. It's perfect. And it strikes every chord that it's supposed to. And nothing else has even, I don't even think, touched either of those movies but it's like they keep trying well and the other thing i want to point out one there's obviously an ironic title to this movie because i totally think it's going to be completely forgettable but what's with the timothy oliphant josh dudamel lookalikes because those two guys look the same anyways like it's very easy to confuse those two guys now granted they don't look exactly the same but they look very similar and this dude in this movie jeff suits stutes stoltz it's stoltz um, my eyes are bad, and I'm looking at my iPad from too far away. It's Stoltz. Um, he looks like a knockoff Timothy Oliphant or Josh Dudamel, and it's like, how is Hollywood cloning the actors now? Like, what's happening that this guy looks like these other two? Maybe that's just me, but to me, he looks like those two guys. And if you don't know who Josh Dudamel and Timothy Oliphant, then this joke makes no sense. But they all look the same. But oh, you can just Google image it like I did. Ah. You just went like robot voice for um, a second. <laughs> and I guess that this is what Hollywood thinks women find attractive now. That's all I can come to. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, he's not a bad looking guy. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they all look the same. Um, all right. Now, there's two more movies coming out that we didn't. Uh, oh, wait. I guess I should say. Are you going to watch this movie, Corey? Of course not. Okay. All right. So uh, the other two movies that are coming out that we, we didn't bother to uh, sync up watching um, one, because it's a uh, limited release, and two, the other one is because it's, I don't know, I don't, cons- it's a mo- it's a documentary, but it's also more of just, like, visual, like, eye candy. Um, and so we'll start with the uh, the movie that's getting limited release. It's called Phoenix Forgotten. Um, it is, I think it's a Bloom House, but I'm not 100%. It might be BH Tilt, um, which is also Bloom, Bloom but um, I don't see but it's a found footage film uh, 20 years after the three uh, teenagers disappeared in the wake of a mysterious lights appearing above Phoenix, Arizona. Un- unseen footage from that night has been discovered, chronicling the final hours of their fateful expedition. So it's Blair Witch with aliens. It looks pretty decent. Um, I am kind of tired of the found footage format, but I'm not opposed to giving it a watch. We'll see how it goes. What do you, Have you seen the trailer at all for that? No. I was just thinking because I just recently... Troll Hunter... Ooh, I love Troll Hunter. Was found footage, though. Yeah, it was. And almost perfect found footage, as there was only one time there was a camera shot of the car backing up on a road that didn't make sense. I'm like, who the heck is filming that? Where did that shot come from? But almost every other shot in the movie makes sense. But that mm-hmm. th- but that was so innovative. And I love that you see the troll. Like, mm-hmm. that made me Trolls. so excited. Yeah, but I mean, 
when the movie started, I thought it was going to be like, you know, one of those things where you don't see the monster because it was too big of the budget, budget. or whatever. But yeah. no, they, they, it's awesome. The cast is really great. Yeah. Troll Hunter was a, I loved it. I was really surprised. Um, but like, uh, Chronicle, mediocre. Um, Project Almanac would have been a better movie if it wasn't found footage. That's usually my argument. It's not even that the movies are bad. It's just the found footage element is unnecessary in most of them. And almost all of them manufacture footage from cameras that nobody would have had access to. Like, because the premise is that we were we found this camera with film in it, and we watched it, and we're like, oh my god. And that's what, with Blair Witch, we were tricked. We thought it was real for a long time, until the MTV Movie Awards, and they showed up to accept their awards, that we were like, wait a minute, that wasn't what? real? Um, They're not dead? You no, know, they duped us, and... It worked great for that reason, and they—they they, it is true found footage. There's two cameras, that's what we see. Um, there's tons of gaps. There's you know there's tons of uh, moments that we don't see, and that all works. And then you have um, you know like the new Blair Witch where they they have a they have a drone that is used stupidly and Chronicle Chronicle they did a really cool job of explaining like a steady cam because he used his telekinetic powers to hold the camera. So it was steady, and it made sense why it was steady. But then they, they also pull in all these security cameras that you're like, wait a minute, how do they get access to all these security cameras? What cops and, you know, granted, we're nitpicking a world that isn't real, but still, like, it's We like, have questions. Yeah. And again, if you feel like you need more coverage of a scene to make the movie good, then film it regular. You don't need to do found footage. Like, if you if you want us to see things, then just let us see them as a regular film. Let us be the, you know, the observant third eye and that's what we witness. But if, you know, and this movie, from what I've seen, looks like they're going back to the roots of Blair Witch and it's going to be minimal coverage and you're going to just get to see what you get to see. And yes, people were, so there are definitely people who were like, oh, I can't believe you don't even see the witch in the Blair Witch Project. But you see something in Blair Witch, the uh, the most recent film, and I haven't heard anyone stop. be like, it's good. So I didn't, just stop. I, didn't, I have it. I didn't say what you see. You might see like a, someone scratch their butt. Who knows? Um, that might be more okay. entertaining. So, um, all right. And the other movie coming out this coming Friday because there's five movies scheduled to come out on the 21st, and I am only planning on seeing one, and that is Free Fire. Um, Born in China, documentary. It's a Disney nature film. Um, they're following three different animal uh, families: pandas, um, the young golden monkey, and I believe a snow leopard. And it is narrated by John Krasinski, I, I guess, in the American version. And uh, Zun Zhao is, I'm assuming, in the... I don't want to be racist, but it's called Born in China, so I'm assuming it's in China, but I do not know. But there's two narrators listed, and usually that's why they have different narrations for different um, cultures. It might be that they're in both, and I don't I don't know. But I know that Regal was doing a promotion with this where John Krasinski was talking about narrating it, so I'm assuming he's the one we're going to hear. Um, it's. I don't want to watch it, but, you know... I, I these things are cute, I guess, but I don't I don't want to pay money or sit in the theater. It's only an hour and sixteen minutes too. I just you know, oh. yeah, it's it's fine. I'm sure some people love this. It's got you know fifty eight Metacritic score, but user score seven point five on IMDb. Yeah, it's one of those things. If you like watching animals play around, it's probably gonna be great. If you are more interested in story and dialogue, um, this isn't for me. I, I have a rule. I don't watch movies about horses, and I generally don't watch movies that are documentary-based uh, animal films. Um, but he doesn't mind showing you movies where dogs die. That just seems to go with my theme. Um, but, <laughs> you know, and that's not my fault that filmmakers like to go for that, you know, that easy emotional jab. Like, 
Oh, look at the puppy. It's dead. It's dead. Take that. Um. So, you know, I didn't do that. But all right. That ends our trailer talk for the week. That's what's coming out on the 21st. But if you live in the uh, Central Florida area, I can't stress enough to support the Florida Film Festival. There are some really great movies playing that weekend, including Colossal. Um, there's a evening with uh, Leah Thompson from Back to the Future where she is showing Back to the Future, guys. I am going, and I am so excited. So if you're in Florida, if you're near Orlando, you don't have to go to everything. You can go to one movie at the Florida Film Festival. It's at the Enzian in Winter Park, I believe is the more official address. And also uh, the Regal, the Winter Park Regal um, houses the other screens because Enzian is a single-screen theater right now. They are trying to get it two more screens, and they can't if we don't support them. So we need to get out there. Um, they're an art house theater. They get tons of independent films. In fact, right now is... Um, What's the man? My my life is a zucchini. I think was the nominated animated film um, from the Oscars this year. That's currently playing, and I think they're getting raw, uh, which is the um, cannibalistic uh, film that uh, is. From many theaters that are showing it are also not only are you getting a ticket but a barf bag. Um, but I hear it's great. I hear it's a really great movie. It's really innovative and smart. But it is a, it's cannibalistic, so you're gonna witness people eating people. So. Um, that's supposed to be playing at the NZN. They get movies like that. We I saw Wilson there. Um, they have great independent films that come through and almost nowhere else in this area. So again, if you are a Florida listener, please try to see at least one movie at the Florida Film Festival. Support the art. It is one of the best things that have ever been created by man, and I mean movies. And so I love them, obviously. I spend 90% of my day talking about movies in some capacity, whether with... Uh, Strangers who ask me questions, the podcast, writing about movies, showing movies to my students, and talking about movies with my students. Um, some degree of film is, is my life. And so I can't stress enough. Please support the art. Um, all right, speaking of, we're going to get into our movie for the week. Um, if you watched it, hopefully you uh, tweeted at us. I did not see anything before we started recording. But um, again, one of our goals is to hear from you. We were asking... We tell you what movie we're going to watch next week so you can watch it and tell us ahead of time. But you know what? If you want to reach out to us after you listen to the podcast and tell us what you thought about the movie, maybe you decided to watch the movie because we talked about it on the podcast. We'd love to hear from you then, too. So feel free to tweet at us or email us. I'll give you that information at the end of the episode. But we're going to get into uh, our movie of the week. Um, real quick, before our spoiler warning, we're going to uh, tell you what the movie is. The Fundamentals of Caring from 2016. It is a Netflix original film. Um, it stars Craig Roberts as Trevor, Paul Rudd as Ben Benjamin, Selena Gomez as Dot, and who else do we need to mention? Um, Jennifer, oh boy, Ellie? E-E-H-L-E, -E -E, and her name is Elsa in the film. And I'm trying to find the other traveler that joins them, but wait, there she is. Um, Megan Ferguson as Peaches. And, okay, and who was her dad? Who's right. Selena Gomez's dad? Cause... He is a great actor whose name is, wow, is he really not Bill? Hold on, I don't see him on the list. Uh, Do they not give him credit? Weird. Yeah, it might he's... have been an unpaid cameo or something, because I'm not seeing Cash. Weird, um, he's in Boardwalk Empire. He's in a bunch of stuff. Uh, he's in Chef, he's in... Um... Oh, that's... Okay. Man, come on. He's not the lead in Chef, but he's one of the friends. Um, John Favreau is the lead in Chef. Um, hold on, I had, I had to expand the list. Cause... There he is. Bobby Cannavale. Um, oh, there we go. And he's in a he's in a bunch of stuff. He he is listed as uncredited. Um, so because I don't know he has a, he has more lines than half of the other people in this movie. But there you go. Um, okay. Fundamentals of caring on Netflix. Um, we're gonna be talking about it. And before we do, 
Oh, I always read the summary on IMDb is a man suffering an incredible amount of loss enrolls in a class about caregiving that changes his perspective on life. That is a really crappy summary of the plot. That is that is the first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> um, I, it sounds like a summary that I would write. I'm sorry. It's, it's, not it's that just great. Like, it, it doesn't summarize the plot really at all because it's more <laughs> about the relationship he forms with um, Trevor than it is about him uh, the the class. Yeah. He's not. We don't even see him in the class except. For like three seconds, but okay. Um, and we cor- learn about Aloha, but yeah, and he overcomes that loss. Okay, maybe I would write a better synopsis. Probably shouldn't say that. That's kind of a spoiler. Speaking of, <gasps> spoiler warning. Oops. Corey? <laughs> Big Mouth Strikes Again. Okay, so <laughs> we're probably going to talk about this movie or we def- some of it. 100% in- definitely are. <laughs> yes we are gonna ruin this movie if you like spoilers full steam ahead if you'd like to check it out first go watch the movie it's on netflix and of and course come back to by ruin she doesn't mean that we're gonna say it's bad or you know make rewrite it to make it bad we're just saying if you are a person who doesn't like to hear the ending of things without seeing it first you will want to stop the podcast open up your uh, nearest device that has netflix on it so- sign in with your ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend's password and watch the fundamentals of caring before you continue listening because we are going to talk about this movie in depth um, and so likely we'll have spoilers. And before we get into the plot at all, I have a declaration to make. Two weeks ago on Top 5 Movies, we did our Top 5 Actors and I don't know what I was thinking. You forgot Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd is on my Top 5. It is official. I am making the change. I am bumping... Um, who did I bump off? Um, not Sam Rockwell. Not Sam Jackson, definitely not Ryan Gosling, and not, uh, what's his face? The one, that, apparently the one I can't remember right now, but, oh, <laughs> Simon Pegg. Guy. I'm not bumping Simon Pegg off either, so whoever my number five was is no longer my number five. Um, apologies, but Sam Rockwell, Sam Jackson, and I think Paul Rudd is probably my number three, because I have never seen him in any role where I did not love him. And I mean, even small roles, like in um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where he plays the surfer, he cracks me up every time he's on screen. I Love You Man is one of, I think, the most underrated bromance comedies of all time. Um, I he, he kills me in that movie. Role Models is another comedy that I constantly forget. And I will tell you right now that watching The Fundamentals of Caring, I laughed more at this movie than I've laughed at a movie in a while. Um, I thought it was hilarious. And I particularly love both Paul Rudd and Trevor, whose name I have already forgotten. But that kid, I think their chemistry is so great in uh, this movie. Agreed. He has he has the Paul Rudd sarc- like snarky sarcastic tone about him and Craig Craig Roberts. Um I, I just love them together. They I was so happy with that um so much of the, the interactions between those two guys starting at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So I have questions. Okay. Is Paul Rudd a Scientologist because he doesn't age? That's a good question. Uh he's a s actor, so probably. Um Okay. That does seem to be the the go to religion for people with money, and so, okay. um, I mean, th- this guy, I can't believe I forgot him because I mean, this going back to Friends, I've been a Paul Rudd fan, and Clueless, Clueless, oh yeah, Clueless, he was fantastic. I even watched Overnight Delivery with him and Reese Witherspoon because he was in it, and it is a mediocre movie at best, but I still enjoyed it because he makes me laugh. He cracks me up. Like Wonderlust, I found um, okay. And Our Idiot Brother, I need to rewatch. I definitely did not give that movie my attention. I love that movie. Oh, really? Hold the phone. Everybody stop. Our Idiot Brother has Zoe Deschanel in it, and Corey just said she loves it. So, Brendan, I I know you're listening. 
this is we what? need to make a note of this, Brendan. I'm telling Brendan, who is definitely listening, <laughs> to make a note that she loves our idiot brother despite Zoe Zoe Deschanel's appearance in the film. Wow. I still hate her, but I love the movie. I there's just something so overwhelmingly ridiculously charming about Paul Rudd. Yes. hundred percent agree. He's just amazing. I I I love him too, and I think that we both should get strikes for not mentioning Paul Rudd. Yeah, and Paul Rudd um, in Role Models is the same. He almost always plays the same type of character, but he's able to shift the tone from being an asshole to being lovable very easily. In this movie, he he kind of straddles the line, um, but with intent. Where like Role Models, the first part of the movie, he's just bitter and cynical, and it uses his sarcasm bitingly and, and is aggressive. And um, God, there's a scene with Jane Lynch, him and Jason Sean William Scott that is just so funny to me and um this movie i can't I, I hope i wrote it down i have my notes in front of me but there was a scene in this movie where i could not stop laughing like i was laughing like four minutes later at the same jokes i just kept i would think about it and it would make me laugh i would think and it would make me laugh and i would stop laughing and then i would remember and start laughing again it was like i can't remember exactly <laughs> what scene it is right now but i know watching it i haven't i haven't enjoyed a film uh as far as comedic value for a while like this one really hit the funny bone for me um, let's start at the beginning because he is, as the plot summary said, he's he's at a caregiving seminar, um, and he learns about aloha, which is ask, listen, observe, help, and ask again, um, which is the caregiver credo, and it has to be the most useless acronym ever because <laughs> when he gets this job, which we'll talk about momentarily when he meets Trevor, but when he gets the job, and she goes through like his daily routine, what he has to do. I'm like, holy crap, are you really going to leave him with just that? Because there's so much stuff. She gave him a notebook. Yeah, yeah, but still, like, just when she's listing it, I'm like, he yeah. needs, like, a training day for It's <laughs> Like, this is oh, insane. Right? I'm like, get Denzel in here. He needs this freaking King Kong to, to master this stuff because, wow, there was a bunch of things he had to do. Um, and I'm like, ask, I, ask again, because holy crap, there's yeah, so much. Yeah, don't stop asking because it's life, it's life or death, she says. Um, I love that shot too at the beginning where she's like going over all the medications and the way the camera like like zooms in on each of the medications as she's like naming them definitely added to the anxiety factor. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was like, holy shoot, that's a lot. So he he goes for his first interview for trying to get this caregiver job, and um, the kid is in a wheelchair and he he pulls up. Uh, and is just like ramming the couch that he's sitting next to, and he's like freaking out. He's like, ah! and I'm not trying to make fun of him. It, it, it turns out in a moment that's not his. He's making fun of other people, um, but he's also mainly making fun of, of this caregiver who he is apparently one of those kids who torments the pe- potential uh, caregivers. And, Horrible. Um, yeah. So he's like ramming, and then Paul Rudd's trying to apologize. Like, is it my is it my aftershave? <laughs> The kid just like yeah. Apparently he thinks uh, aftershave makes crazy. I don't want to say what he says because he uses the R word, and I I've been trained not to use the R word, so can't say it. But um, you know, ha- ha- mentally handicapped uh, people go crazy over smells or something like that. It's it's so silly, but that as soon as that scene happens, I was like, oh, I know what I'm in for now. I can't wait because I didn't know what this movie was. It's on. Yeah, yeah, it was a very surprising introduction. Yeah, because the whole seminar, I'm like, oh, man, this seems really serious and, like, dour. I didn't know what I was going to be sitting through. And there is some serious stuff in this movie. Um, and I'm going to, you know, we're not doing beat by beat anymore, although this movie I enjoyed enough where I kind of want to go beat by beat. But um, for time's sake and whatnot, we probably will just jump to things that we like. But one of the things I love in every comedy, 
that I watch, there's always this like apprehensive feeling in my stomach of when is the sh- uh, when is the poop going to hit the fan? You know, when is when is everything going to go wrong? Because you watch like Wayne's World did it the best because they really made fun of that moment. Because there's a scene in, in Wayne's World one where everything's gone wrong for Wayne. And he freaks out, and the cameraman just decides to leave. He's like, hey, hey, where are you going? Come back. It's going to be okay. And I'm like, yeah, that's every comedy. Because not every comedy, but so many comedies just, it's like we're laughing, we're laughing. And then, no, everything is awful. And it just, it it brings the movie almost to a halt. And some, there are some comedies where I will only watch the first three quarters of it. Because I, I'm done after, like, rewatch. I won't, I won't watch it a full time again because I don't want to deal with the emotional baggage that they put on me after the 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 midpoint or the um all is lost moment that happens in the third quarter or in the third act and i was afraid of this movie doing that like hard because there's a kid in a wheelchair we hear early that something happened to um paul rudd's child uh ben's child is it ben i'm making up names benjamin something happened to ben's child we don't know what but i said we know that's going to happen they pick up a hitchhiker um, who is Selena Gomez, which I have to say, by the way, I thought she was fantastic in this. I loved her little, uh, you did not think she was fantastic in this. I wish that everyone else could see my facial expressions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my, my, I think you know, my nickname as I was growing up was Corey Face because these nonverbals. But um, I didn't like her. I felt like there were probably, I could have chosen probably 10 people who could have done her role better. Um, I'm ugh, just ugh. It's, it's huh. like later on, I liked her a little more, but she was just distracting for like half of the time she was there. I was like, you are so out of place. Really? I did not yeah. feel that way. Um, ugh. I don't know. Uh, I, one of my students had recommended this movie to me a few months ago, actually, and I've been meaning to get to it because of him, um, him recommending it. And when I, I brought it up to him, I got to see him for a few minutes today and I was like, Hey, I, I did finally watch that movie. Um, he didn't like her. Mainly because of her, uh, it's kind of funny. It's a little sexist. He didn't like her. Uh, I think like her her foul mouth. Like like he didn't mind Trevor and Ben's having foul mouths, but her foul mouth bothered him. And I don't know. That could be. It may not be sexist. It may be that he watched like Wizards at Waverly Place, and so seeing Selena Gomez being that way bothers him. Um, that's true. He could have grown up. Yeah, and I I can I could if that's the case I get it. Um, but um. And it could be like maybe even, even not a knowingly sexist choice, but maybe his upbringing that women are, you know, prim and proper and men are dirty and nasty. And so while not necessarily accurate or fair, um, it may not be his fault that that's his point of view is what I'm saying. He's a good kid. He's a, he's a movie lover for sure. But um, so I don't know the exact motivation of that comment, but he didn't like her either. Um, I, I don't know. I found her. I found her very believable. I didn't feel like she it didn't feel like she was faking to me. Um, now, if you don't like the personality she's portraying, I totally can see that. That's not Corey's issue. No. You have to stop with the nonverbals. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I don't want to just like hop in and start yeah, talking over you. No, it's fine. Because that's not prim and proper. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not. Do you hear that? Suffers. Oh, you froze up. Oh, crap. See, I like cussing. It's hard for me to not cuss sometimes. Um, so I think your mic I... is loose, Corey. Can you hear me? Hold on, guys. We're having technical difficulties like mad this week. Um, oh, because we're not recording on a Friday, so everything's going wrong. <laughs> the night I actually yeah, have to get like, some sleep is like, nope, no sleep for you. No, I'm sorry. There it is. All right, I think you're back. Um, oh. well, while while she's doing that, um, there's a lot in this movie that I love. Uh, Selena Gomez though is she shows up as a hitchhiker and 
Um, I feel like I was going somewhere else with this before when I started talking about, oh, the end. I was talking about the end and like my concern for um, them having like this big emotional moment where I was going to feel taken out of the comedic element of the film, which I was prepared for given the kind of, there is a, there's a serious tone about this. One, the kid's in a wheelchair. We're told he's never left his house before. Um, he's never been far, ne- never more than an hour away from his home. There's all these different pills, and there's these different. You know, he's got to sleep the CPAC thing to sleep at night, so his breathing is proper. Um, no it, friends. Yeah, his he has Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Duchenne, excuse me, muscular dystrophy. So there's tons of things that could go wrong with this kid, right? And then we know that Ben had a child who died, but we don't know how. We don't know what happened, and so uh, Ben is was responsible for a kid in theory now again we don't know what happens the first sign we get of the kid is that he's probably about eight nine ten ish and that he's helping his dad unload the groceries from the the van or the the suv or whatever and we see groceries fall but we don't see anything else the first time and it takes a long time for the movie to give us anything else and i'm going to talk about that sequence in a minute but there are so many things that this movie could have gone so over the top dramatic and lost the comedic vibe completely and they don't. I loved that because that is how a lot of people cope. That's their coping mechanism when everything is going wrong or I just tough situations or obviously this kid, how he deals with life. Well, and, and I appreciate, I'm sorry. appreciate it. They kept that consistent and they yeah. didn't, you know. Well, this movie too, um, which I forgot an important thing. It's directed and written by Rob Burnett, um, who I am looking. It uh, does not look like he's directed a whole lot. Um, he's directed five films, and or um, not even films. He directed The Fundamentals of Caring, We Made This Movie, The Knights of Prosperity, which was a TV series, TV series called Ed, and it looks like he directed an episode of the 67th Annual Academy Awards in 1995. Um, and that's it. So he hasn't done a whole lot of films. He's written a few more things, but it looks like he was a writer on The Late Show with David Letterman. Dang. Um, uh, late Night with David Letterman even going. So he's with, he was with Letterman for a long time. So he, he hasn't done a whole lot, but he wrote... He, he, I think he nailed this movie. And one of the things with all those uh, things that could have gone wrong, he messes with us throughout the movie that those things have gone wrong. Like there's a moment where Paul Rudd pretends to have forgotten his pills. Like he left, I left the pills at the hotel and I'm like freaking out. I'm like, no, here it is. Here's the moment where everything goes wrong and he has to call the mom and the mom's going to freak out because she didn't want him to go on this road trip. I'm jumping ahead so much that the plot's being left out, but they go on a road trip and, um, they're, they're bonding, and that is the catalyst, is that the kid gets letters from his dad, and he doesn't want to read them. He's afraid to leave. He has this very strict routine. He only eats uh, two waffles and one sausage every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's the only thing he eats, um, which I love the scene where Paul Rudd uh, puts it as, like, are these shaped like two giant testicles and a small penis? He's like, <laughs> I yes, they are. And he's like, nice. I just Their interactions are so believable, so natural to me. And maybe that wouldn't feel that way to other people, but I'm super sarcastic. So it just feels like me and my, like my students, because that's how a lot of us are. We are snarky and sarcastic in a loving, kind of caring sort of way. And we're also aware that sometimes we're all jerks. Sometimes we are jerks. We take uh, our stuff out on each other. And that happens all the time in this movie. And again, this me- that might repel some people. It endears this movie to me because it feels like me. And I like that. I like it a lot. I enjoyed almost every minute of this movie. Um, but So they're on the road trip. He loses the pills. I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, early in the film, he pretends to choke. But he wasn't choking. And it's ha, ha, ha. And it was a real quick pretend to choke. Um, 
this time he really pretends to choke in the car. And I thought he was genuinely choking. He not only got Paul Rudd, he got me. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, he's not joking this time. And Paul Rudd's like, no, ha ha, it's so funny. Um, also, I will always call Slim Jim Slim James from now on. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> oh, God. It, there's so many dumb things in this movie that I will just reference and no one will get because not enough people have seen this movie. Um, you can just Snapchat it to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, Corey, I bought some Slim James. Um, my horrible no. British accent. Um, obviously, there are moments in Idaho, so Corey was excited about that. Um, accurate portrayal of Idaho, everyone. Um, it was real. But so they fake the 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 big dramatic moment with the pills. They fake it with the choking. Um, they fake it with uh, at the end. They they have a little bit of a fight over um, the the dad. Uh, Trevor's dad is a jerk. So they have a little kind of falling out. You're not. I'm not your son, and I don't want you to be my son. Like it was a. Very real and again grounded type honest. conversation. Very honest, and that's what uh, one of the things with this movie. They're honest with each other the whole time, and that's why Trevor even hires him, is because he's honest um, from the get go. Um, I believe the uh, the the quote is um, something about if you have to wipe my ass, how do you do it? And he's like, there would be no shit left on your ass. <laughs> He's like, he's the one. And it's, <laughs> it's, it, and he just rolls away. <laughs> he rolls away. He's done. That's enough. I've heard everything I need to hear. Um, and, uh, there is, you know, so much of that chemistry that comes out. But so they have this fight. They're at this big, the whole movie, they're going to see the deepest pit in the world or in the United States. I don't remember which it's the United States or world. And, um, they get there. And they split up for a minute because Paul Rudd is going to confront his one of his demons is that his ex-wife wants well sorry his wife wants a divorce she's been trying to get a divorce from him for three years and he's refusing to sign the papers and she's he 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 thinks she's having someone follow him which is Bobby Cannavale and it turns out to be uh, Dot who is Selena Gomez's dad and he's talking to him and then you hear uh, the phone ring and Selena Gomez is freaking out come quick come quick and you're like oh my god the kid's dying. And then it was Peaches. Peaches is another hitchhiker they picked up, and she's Pregos, and she's having the baby at the bottom of the pit. And so another false dramatic moment, because everything's fine. There's no moment in this movie where everything truly hits. The worst dramatic moment is the fight between Trevor and Ben, and it's just a real, honest fight. And it's not even like... It, Ben's done for a minute. Like, he's done. He's ready to go home. He's you know My dad's an asshole. I had hope. You're the reason I had this hope. And then he's even like, I didn't tell you like that he was going to be good. I didn't tell. It's not my fault that he's a jerk. But they were done. They were going to leave. And Dot's the one who's like, no, 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 no. You did not come all this way to just leave. We're going to see the stupid pit, and then you can go home. My life will not be complete unless I see yeah. <laughs> the world's deepest pit. So, so she makes them go. And I really like her character for that reason, especially because um, when they first see her, uh, she says that he has nice shoes, and then he does the mall joke, or like Trevor's response is <laughs> mall, and <laughs> Paul Rudd harassing he just him. Rolls away. Paul Rudd harassing him about mall is one of the funniest <laughs> sequences. <laughs> you know what's even He's shorter like, than mall? Ma. <laughs> hey, shortest ma. conversation ever. <laughs> um, uh, I need to interject. I need to tell everyone in the world that I freaking loved Peaches. I loved her oh. so much. She, yeah, she was an interesting character because I, I honestly thought she was going to be – I was so on edge for that big dramatic moment to happen that when they pulled over, I thought she was going to be like a serial killer or that she was going to rob them. Something nuts. Yeah, and no. Nope. Again, just a honest-to-God pregnant woman whose car broke down, has a sad story about her husband. 
and not even like sad, but like, oh man, her husband's overseas. This poor woman needs help. We'll help her. Um, she's just trying to get home to her mom, so she's not alone. Um, but okay, so I love so much of this movie, but I do want to talk about some of my issues. Um, do you have any? I hate this part. Well, you know, it's it's only necessary because it's not perfect, and I don't want to oversell this movie. And I might have already. Some of you might have stopped listening because like, this movie's like, I gotta watch it. It sounds amazing. It, it is amazing. It's one that I would buy, and it's one that I, I will watch again. And oddly, I don't think we can buy it, and that kind of makes me sad because I want this in my collection. Because I, I, this is a movie, like a lot of comedies, that I can rewatch and have a great time watching. That is my, that is my first point. If you like funny movies, and you like sarcastic, kind of snarky jerks towards each other, endearing still type of movie, then this is a great movie. If you want cohesive, no issues, no forced elements of plot then there's going to be some problems and the first one is the death of ben's son why is that a problem i don't like how they they reveal it um it's drawn out it's not drawn out in any kind of real rhythmic way it just kind of we get a clip early when we first find out that he had a son because initially we thought he had no children um because he says he doesn't but then uh elsa confronts him because she's like i did a background check i didn't just like hire you to work with my son and not do a background check i know that your son died it's so I'm so sorry to hear it, but we don't know how. We don't know any details, and we get this weird flashback little moment of the, what I said, the, the groceries falling on the ground. And the, I didn't have a problem with the way that was revealed. I felt like it added to the story because his wife has been contacting him multiple times to yeah. sign these divorce papers, and then he had that moment with Trevor where Trevor was just downright hateful and said, you're not even a parent, how would you know? And then then we find out, and I can kind of understand, I guess, the way they draw it out, but mm-hmm. when Elsa's talking to him, to me, it made it sound kind of like it was his fault. Yeah, and it is in a way, which they reveal at the very last, in a slow motion birth sequence, which I also thought was a weird timing to cross cut between him finally re- reliving everything while there's like a woman giving birth and like dots yelling at him like hey snap out of it jerk um but if you if you let's let's say we did it this way instead just hear me out for a second if we see immediately what happened even you know what let's not see it we know he had a son that he died it's we can then assume we can infer that is the schism that ended his marriage right which they never tell us anyways there's never a discussion about it with his wife no but it's the same time we can exactly we can infer that with that information my point is they over explain the death because how he died does not ever pay off in any way that makes sense he didn't go to jail and so we're not seeing why he went to jail um i i feel like any parent dealing with death is sufficient the how and the why can be can be impactful but this one's really not because they don't go the next step. He doesn't have this revelatory moment where he realizes that it was an accident and so he is capable of caregiving. I mean, that is essentially the film is that he, by doing this caregiving job, I think he's trying to prove to himself that he's capable of caring for another human being because he feels like he failed with his child because he turned his back. The car wasn't in park, apparently. which by the way, the Anton Yelchin dying because his car wasn't in park and it backed up on him. 
kind of bothered me more watching this because of that, like if Anthony yeah. Anderson had not died. So I'm not saying the plausibility of it or anything. I'm just saying I I don't feel like it needed to be stretched out because it wasn't a big mystery. When the mystery is revealed, there's no payoff for it. It just is, here it is, this is what happened. Sorry we made you wait this long to finally see it. It doesn't add anything to that moment of tension. It doesn't explain why he failed at being a caregiver, nor does it explain why he's a better caregiver. It's just a sad thing that we had to witness throughout the film rather than just a one-time understanding. Like, John Wick's dog didn't die slowly and agonizingly through the entire film. He's dead. We knew he was dead. We didn't get flashbacks of his dog dying slowly to, to finally understand why he went on a killing rampage. It just happens and we move along with it. And I felt like that could have been the same thing here. Again, it's a minor complaint. I'm not saying by any means that that ruins the movie, but I'm looking at this movie going, I love so much of this. This feels out of place to me by comparison. See, I, I felt like it did add to the movie because uh, I I feel like if they would have just condensed it into like one one minute clip, it wouldn't have had the same effect on me. My heart was broken so many times watching his story. And guys, like watching stuff about divorces, just I thought I was going to cry. He's laying in bed and doors being pounded on late at night to be served divorce papers and then i just feel like it shows what an upset his life is and how in shambles it is kind of i mean he says he hasn't worked in a long time i don't know i just but see i feel like all of that was like an afterthought and none of it felt like it was fleshed out or developed in a way that really had any impact on the overall movie if like we care about the character mainly because of how great paul rudd is and so everything he says we connect to and we, we're, able, we're willing to let those writing flubs go because of the rest of the film, I think. And that's, that is an issue because, again, um, exposition like that, it doesn't if – you, if you can show it to me randomly and it, and it be like a second of screen time like, – because like you said, he tells us he hasn't had a job in a while. Okay, okay. Like there's nothing like, – it, and again, it's minimal complaint because, again, I had a great time watching this movie. But this is why I think if you look at the Metacritic score, it's sitting at a 55 because of these little off things like that. Um, I mean, God, there's so many great things. Um, him wanting to pee standing up, which was as, uh, one it. of his questions. And the Make-A-Wish of uh, getting a uh, oral sex from Katy Perry <laughs> um, was his, was his Make-A-Wish request. Fireworks. For, fireworks. While, while humming fireworks, I think. Um, I can't. The Slim Jims, as I already mentioned, uh, there's he, the the mall joke that comes back as a rap later on, and then he gives him the finger, and he's like, I'm giving you the finger. He's like, mm, not really, because he can't <laughs> lift his finger up because of the muscular dystrophy, which, again, is it's such an asshole thing to do, but it's so <laughs> but great. But it works, because that's them together. Oh, my it God. Is. Cause so is Trevor. That's the thing. It's not a guy being mean to a handicapped person. Both of them are mean to each other. Like, and that's, I think, the why Trevor likes him so much is he treats him like a normal person. He doesn't treat him like an invalid. He doesn't treat him like this precious little China doll that if you're not careful, he'll break. He treats him like a person and, and gives him the opportunity. And that is what I love about Dot. Dot could look at him and, and feel sorry for him or feel pity for him. And even the date that they go on could have been a pity date. But I never got that vibe. I got the vibe that Dot is a really cool person who generally looked past the wheelchair and saw Trevor for who he was, just like Ben did. And that, to me, is what makes this movie really great, is that here is a character in a wheelchair who I do not know for sure, but I don't believe this actor is actually in a wheelchair. 
Um, I'm not positive, and I've not done any research on that, but he's in both 21 and 22 Jump Street as two different people. So I feel it's unlikely he's playing wheelchair characters in both movies, but it's possible. Um, And I think Corey's doing some fact-checking for us to confirm. But either way, the kid is in a wheelchair with muscular dystrophy, and this, this girl, who is a very attractive teenager, you know, Hitching a ride, running away from her her life, moving to Denver, um, and she looks past the wheelchair. She doesn't pity him, and that's something that's kind of refreshing. It wasn't like, and he was, uh, Trevor was afraid of her pitying him, and she she finally puts him at ease, and he, you can see him slowly feel become himself around her, and she loves him because she's just like them. She's cynical, snarky, and perverts, uh, and oh god, the pervert jokes. <laughs> When he says the pervert convention and her dad looks so upset. <laughs> he doesn't even know. Oh my god. Yeah, I uh, there's so many great little jokes in this movie. Um the um I'm looking at all my notes that I took. I mainly just wrote down things that made me laugh. Um my I, stomach, like I legit I think that this is me aging, I don't know, that I just get nauseous watching some movies when Peaches is having her baby and they do that flashback i got nauseous i got so nauseous and i was thinking that they were going to lose the baby oh which that honestly would have made more sense to why we got the cross cutting between that flashback and that moment granted it was well, him dealing with the fact can i i guess do it's this. Still, yeah but uh, those two things but... are not parallels those are not like delivering a baby and your car accidentally running over your child which is horrific not connected like your ability to put a car in park and your ability to put a, a, a deliver a baby are not connected and if they were i i mean like then everyone could deliver a baby right because most of us can park a freaking car like it, it it's not adding to that tension other than we're like oh he's nervous like okay but i would be nervous delivering a baby regardless of the fact i i lost my child Ew. like yeah, there's some one. I'm not a doctor for the reason that I can't look at this, and then two, um, <laughs> it's you know there's there's a lot going on there that you and we don't know what's going on. Like, is this a breech well, baby? Did you know? Did the baby turn? Like, there's so many things that could go wrong, and they're at the bottom of a, the world's deepest pit. How long is it going to take for an ambulance to get to this this sideshow attraction? Because these are usually in the middle of nowhere, right? Like, so most sideshow yeah. attractions are just like off the beaten path, and you have to go out of your way to see them. It's how they even get, like, tourists or to go to these crazy things. So how far is an ambulance? It, it, those questions would make me nervous enough. Sorry. Did you say Yeehaw Junction? I, I should have. I did not. But, yes, that's a great example. Um, That is a Florida reference, folks. Um, I'm looking at uh, the dad offering $160, by the way, to Trevor. Like, I got 160 bucks in my wallet. That should make up for, you know, the whole life that I've ignored you and, and even – the reveal that Elsa wrote all the letters, which I don't feel like we get a good payoff with that either, because we he never we never get to see Trevor confront his mom, and you know like say I love you or anything like from that moment. And even Elsa's absence, because I really liked her at the beginning of the movie, and then she's just kind of gone through the rest of it. Um, well, because this was all supposed to take place while she's in Atlanta, that's oh, why I know, I know, but I I liked her, so I was kind of bummed that she was gone. Um, I thought she was a very compelling mom character, and even like. She's clearly super protective, but at the same time, she's grateful for what Paul Rudd is offering, but is apprehensive because she points out, you're a caregiver. You're not going to be his dad. You're not going to be around forever, um, and I don't want him to be hurt if he loses another guy, which we later realize 
that statement from her is powerful because she's been writing the letters from his dad, hoping to at least give him hope that your dad does want to be with you and he's choosing not to be with him versus the dad has no interest in being a part of their lives whatsoever. Um, I love, too, that she rolls right with their humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, she she gets Trevor. Like, yeah. Oh, God. It's so great. I, I they're, The the realism of these characters, to me, is so, so great. Um, And I wrote down lots of perverts we all keep in touch. That was the line that Paul Rudd said. Um, <laughs> I, I had in my head that he, when she said, how... How do you know? I was hoping he was going to lie and tell her, well, I'm from I'm from Denver. Well, I brought up the uh, stand and pee um, thing that that was one of his wishes, which becomes a recurring theme throughout the film where uh, Paul Rudd takes him to the, a gas station bathroom and tries to have him stand up. But then <laughs> apparently just starts peeing everywhere. <laughs> and no. th- they try again <laughs> later and it, uh, it gets to no avail. He doesn't really want it. It's like, just forget it. Just forget it. But so the end is him peeing into the world's deepest pit. With the uh, the strap the strap to a um, gurney uh, is it gurney is that the right term the carry board thing that like the the flat board that you, the EMT strap you to I feel like gurney is the right word but I don't know um, he straps into that so he's able to stand up straight and he has him pee into the world's deepest pit which is so poetic of an ending um, two things he wanted to see the world's deepest pit and he wanted to pee standing up. What better place to pee standing up than that? And it's, it's, I love, like, you see all the people looking up, like, what's going on up there? And it's great. Um, it's such a, it's, it wouldn't work in most movies, but it works so well in this movie. And I thought it was a great little twist ending. But then we got to talk about the sad ending. Well, one of the things, another element that I kind of consider a plot hole is the, uh, retired writer. Um, we learn that he's a retired writer, but, uh, he wrote some novels that no one's ever read. Um, and it, it, him stopping writing, I guess, is connected to the death of his son. But at the same time, again, I don't know. Like, he didn't completely give up on life. He's not suicidal to our knowledge. So it's kind of a weird, like, character trait um, that he's like, oh, I retired from writing because, you know, I don't know. If he wrote, like, books for his son or something that was connected to his career with his son, I'd buy into it more. But writers are kind of a free-roaming job anyways. So it's not like he had to stop going to work, you know, assuming he was a, he wrote novels, so he's not going into an office to write. So again, I feel like it's a bit of a, a not a complete leap, because I can, I understand a dramatic life change from a, 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 an event like that. I do get that. Being married, losing your wife after you lose your son. Apparently, if anything like that happened to me, I would just be absolutely devastated and I would be the mourning widow for the rest of my life. Do you, what, I, when you suffer a traumatic event, do you, do you change something? Um, I feel like, oh, I feel thinking. like if something like that happened, I would probably a move home. So well, that, that that's extreme. Dramatic. I mean like that, I'm saying like, even like when my grandpa died, my big change was I changed my facial hair. Um, like I grew a beard cause he always had a beard. That was the first time I think I ever grew like a full beard. Um, and then I, I started just changing it whenever I would have like a mood, not a mood change, like not like a swing where it was like, I was mad for a minute. Like when I would. I'd feel different, you know, like maybe I was I was motivated or I was really frustrated. I would change my facial hair. Now I just change it when I feel like it. But for a little while there, that was my big thing. Is like whenever I was feeling different, for whatever reason, I would change my beard. And so I'm not saying I don't get it, but making him a writer doesn't pay off until the very, very end. Because there are a few, uh, when he tells Trevor that he was a writer, he says, you can write my story. And then Paul Rudd makes fun of him like, oh, yeah, I sit and eat waffles and watch TV. And then I then I, I shit and you wipe my ass and then I watch more TV and I, I 
eat waffles and sausage. Like that real fun read. Um, so it was snarky there, but throughout the journey, we get a story, and you kind of know that that's where it's going to go. It's going to end with him writing, but we find out that apparently he quit being a caregiver, and um, you know he stayed friends with him. And he goes to his house, and he's dead. And the new caregiver and him are both, you know, devastated. And as as a viewer, I'm like, no freaking way. Did they kill the kid? Like, why did I, they do yep, this? Eyes were tearing up. And then, thank goodness, because this movie has that dark sense of humor, he was just faking. Uh, <laughs> and I think the caregiver <laughs> yeah. quit. Like, And that reminded me of Harold from Harold and Maude. Ah, interesting. Uh, the, the faking of this. I've not seen that, but I know enough about it from you and... Uh, my boss, actually, who's a big fan of that movie. Um, yeah, that's that's the movie. Um, I I loved 90% of it. Uh, again, I have a few nitpicky problems with it, but um, definitely do not regret selecting this film. Um, I, I am a huge Paul Rudd fan, and again, I am making it official. He is in my top five for actors at this point. I regret not, not thinking about him. I literally have it, and I love you, man, poster on my wall. Um, in this room. It was I didn't buy it. It was given to me from like Blockbuster or something, but still genuinely love that movie and it's all because of Paul Rudd more so no offense Jason Siegel love you in that movie too but it's because of Paul Rudd it's I had to see who was being bumped off your list and it looks like it's James Stewart oh yeah I that's hard to bump because obviously James Stewart is one of the greatest actors ever but while I I I love him I've seen way more Paul Rudd stuff for sure and Paul Rudd if you look at my actors with the exception of Sam Jackson um who is funny mind you but his funny is different Sam Rockwell Paul Rudd, Simon Pegg, those three. Ryan Gosling, not as much. He is nice. Guys could prove though that he fits in this category too. They're all very charming, snarky, comedic presence in films. Um, and kind of, kind of, they. From what I've seen, I haven't seen a lot of Sam Rockwell, but they kind of seem to be pigeonholed or play that same kind of role. But they play different roles with that personality. <clears throat> like think of Already a Brother, for example. That's a very different character. He's kind of a Billy Nelson. Yeah, there's well, there's a heartbreaking element to his character because he's very flawed, and then, um, but you still have some of the humor, but it's not as he's not as sarcastic with that character. Uh, Wonderlust, which was, I didn't love, uh, but didn't hate. There's some definitely funny moments. In fact, Jordan Peele's in that movie, um, in a very small part as one of the uh, people that live on the, um, can't think of what the term is for what they live on, but, um, nonetheless, I love Paul Rudd and uh, the kid that plays Trevor. I will watch movies that he does, um, and hope to see that he continues this comedic i don't know is he british did you find out is he in a wheelchair or anything i don't think he is i okay. do have him up here he was born in wales okay so he is the accent's legit he's, he's a director also apparently wow and he looks young I, I don't know how old he is but um he's like 26 okay so he's not he's young but he's not super he's a young. baby okay i mean 10 years uh i'm nine years only older than he is i don't know if baby's accurate but um young i could have taught him so that that's it's young enough um, I, I mean, if he went to, you know, here, but still, um, in a different Wales. <laughs> oh, snap. Um, let's not talk about where I work. Exactly. So, uh, oh, shoot. it's okay. Um, I'm in England. Uh, so <laughs> this guy, um, that plays Trevor, I'm definitely, I'm definitely intrigued by him. I, I've not seen everything Selena Gomez has done. I did watch Spring Breakers. I didn't like the movie, but I don't blame her for that. I think the movie is just not my, my cup of tea. Um, I thought it was really bad, but some people really rave about it and, you know, that there's different layers and blah, blah, blah. I, I just found it to be an exploitation film with an obnoxious 
I'm not a big James Franco fan, so that might be what what turned me sour on it. But there's a scene where it's basically gun porn, where it's like him just like, look at all my guns, and it's it's so ridiculous, and it's probably meant to be ridiculous, and it's supposed to probably be satirical or whatever. It didn't feel that way to me. It just felt obnoxious, and I didn't like it. Nonetheless, we're we're going away from the point. We are at the time where we must uh, assign a rate a ranking or a rating for this film. I will go first. Um, I'm going not quite Golden Pony Boy for the fundamentals of caring. Ditto. Ah, we have matched up, despite C. So you didn't think it was perfect, otherwise you would have went must see. Well, I, I'm. It, these are always hard for me, and I always say that because just because it's a must see to me or people who have similar movie taste or interests doesn't mean for a general public public that it would be. So I tried to look at it from a general public. Okay, I guess. Kind of. I don't. I. I mean, sometimes I do. Um, it, like for like, especially for comic book movies, because I do think you have two different like, the movie's looking to appeal to a large audience, but certain things are going to appeal more to a comic book. I think like Logan, for example, I gave comic book fans a must see, and your general movie audience is not quite golden, because there's so much cool like Wolverine moments in Logan that the film stuff that maybe other people might nitpick or I think comic book fans are just gonna be like, but it's Wolverine. Like, and he's cutting people up and there's blood. And, um, I'm not a comic book fan and I love that movie. I just thought I should say that. True. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's definitely, it's a well-made movie. Um, and there are other, like all of the other Wolverine movies I think are both going to be low. Like both comic book fans, the comic book fans are going to be disappointed because of the, the stuff they mess up or ruin like silver samurai and in, in the Wolverine. And then movie fans are going to be mad because the writing's weak, and so it's just not a great movie. Um, but this movie, um, with our rubric, our our setup is more rubric-oriented. It's not so um, – it's very specific and concrete when you really look at what we've written down. Like, this is a movie that we would both buy, so it qualifies. Um, I don't know that we can buy it because it is a Netflix movie, and I don't know how – they Netflix has released some of their TV series on box sets, but I don't know about their movie movies. Um, they haven't done they've done a few, obviously, but I haven't really wanted to buy one. Like I I want to buy um, make making Blair's film because it's making Blair and I want to support him. So if they ever yes. release that, I'll buy it. And I do want to own this movie because if they ever pull this off Netflix, I'll be sad because I I could see rewatching this. I'm actually sad that it is a Netflix movie. Because if this were like a movie that TNT or TBS would just randomly show, I would always watch it whenever it was on. And so having to actively choose to watch it on Netflix is more unlikely because I will think if I'm picking something, I should pick something I haven't seen because I have dozens of movies that I've not seen. So picking something that I've watched, unless I am just in a mood for something, like I need a pick-me-up. Like Edgar Wright movies are rewatches for me almost guaranteed. If I'm in, If I'm needing to laugh, if I need to feel, you know, excited or or just happy those movies make me smile from ear to ear and this movie kind of did too i laughed I, a lot i felt good watching like I did. the whole time even when it was sad and it was over i was happy and i was really happy because kathy um doesn't always watch movies with me and uh i thought she was gonna i was gonna end up in the man room watching it in, in my uh in my game room my little lair where i record our podcast um by myself and i'm fine with that but she decided, uh, she's like, you know what, there's really nothing I want to watch. Why don't you just go ahead and throw it on, and I'll just, you know, I'll watch what I, if I feel like watching, I'll stay out here. If not, I'll I'll go to sleep. And she stayed through the whole movie, so I definitely think she enjoyed it. She didn't laugh as much as I did, but she's not as cynical See, I, about it, things like that. So I feel like the dark humor might be, or yeah. like that, 
because it is kind of dark. It's he a has... little dark. Yeah. Um. It's yeah. not as dark as it could be because it's all done in jest. Like none of it's legitimate. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's definitely it's it's humor where you have to be comfortable, kind of joking about serious subject matter. And again, I think a big part of that is is one of the themes in the film is that he is not a guy in a wheelchair, or he is not the wheelchair. He is the guy who happens to be in a wheelchair. And to respect him for that. Like, yes, he has muscular dystrophy. Yes, he needs to take medications. Yes, he could die if something were to go wrong. But he's still a person who has thoughts and feelings and he's very intelligent. Um, Give him that. You know, let him be that first and everything else second. And I think uh, they do a great job of putting that across and it being really enjoyable as a result. Um, He's a likable character even when he's not, because, again, he has moments where you're like, God, what a little jerk. Um, and so does Ben. There's times where you're like, God, Ben, you could tone it down a bit. But they ultimately, they're perfect for each other, essentially. Like, they really click. And it was a fun road trip movie. Like, the you know, what a simple, like, premise. I mean, to, to let's go see all these weird weird things. The free, We didn't even talk about Rufus, the world's largest cow, twice the size as a normal cow. And they can't go see him because he's on the second floor. So Paul Rudd... Uh, stands up to the guy like you you have to I'm going to call the news and you're you know you're going to have this bad publicity unless you figure out a way for us to see the cow and then it's stuffed it's a stuffed cow it killed obviously as soon as they said it was on the second floor I knew it wasn't a live thing I didn't put that together I am not much of a cow expertise <laughs> but sorry um when they brought him then when they brought him up there and they're like you can stay as long as you want and they stay for like 30 so, seconds so much work <laughs> to get him up there and i didn't understand why they didn't just carry him up and not bring the wheelchair or bring the wheelchair yeah. sec- separate i don't know or yeah just leave it downstairs he walks him because... up other stairs a few times in the movie so that's a good point yeah um yeah i don't know but hilarious uh the movie's funny um if nothing else the movie's funny if you if any of the things we've said have made you even giggle then you must see this movie um because you will you will be into it because it's much better when they're actually doing it versus us recounting the tale but you hear us laughing at these jokes now it the joke stuck with us um unlike the new rosario dawson movie that we might not remember uh this movie is unforgettable so i recommend it uh definitely check it out Let's talk about next week's episode. Um, we have decided we're going to uh, revisit. Um, we we watched. Oh, am I too fast? No, I was just going to say oh. we chose before we recorded. Yes, kind of. We were actually had technical difficulties. Um, I'm revealing behind the curtain. Secret. Pay no attention to that man. Um, speaking of that man, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is one of my favorite movies, I think, of all time. Now, it hasn't quite broke my top ten. But I, I love that movie a lot, and um, it's one that I know I will rewatch many times. And it was uh, written by Charlie Kaufman. And I have seen um, only two other Charlie Kaufman films, to my knowledge, which is Synecdoche, New York, and Anomalisa. I've been meaning to watch Adaptation um, and Being John Malkovich, um, which I found at a Dollar General tonight. I found Being John Malkovich on DVD for three ninety five or something at Dollar General, and I was super excited. Um, do you know anything about being John Malkovich, Corey? It's very iconic cover. Well, to me, but that's yeah. because I probably put it away so many times. Do you know who um, doesn't it have Cameron Diaz in it? It does. Who's on the cover who looks like Jeff Daniels and Dumb and Dumber, which is just going to show you the type of people that they're going to be playing. And it also stars a, a favorite of mine, despite him doing many bad movies. And that's John Cusack. 
Um, oh yeah. And it is about uh, John Malkovich, the actor. It's the, he's playing himself, kind of. It's Charlie Kaufman, as I've I've dubbed him, and I'm sure I'm not the first, but it's, I did come up with it on my own, is a surrealist writer. He likes to make movies that use surrealist-type imagery, very much Salvador Dali with the uh, the film styling. Now, he did not direct this movie. It's directed by Spike Jones. So another reason why I'm excited about watching it. So next week's episode, we're going to do Being John Malkovich. And in future episodes, we're going to be trying to hit more of Charlie Kaufman's films because... One, I like his crazy filmmaking. Two, our friend of the podcast, uh, Brendan, who I'm pretty sure will love to do the Synecdoche, New York episode with us. Um, so if you're listening, Brendan, I will have already talked to you about this. But let's say in two, maybe three weeks, we do Synecdoche, New York, um, and you come on the podcast again. Because um, I need to talk to you about that one, too, because I've seen it. Corey hasn't. Um, it It is the only film last year, I think it's the only film last year, that I rated as inconclusive. I was not sure how I felt about it. There was that. I, I know there's some amazing things in it, but I was so confused, and I know I need to watch it again, so I'm very much looking forward to giving it a second watch. But for this week's episode coming up, episode number 16, we are going to be watching Being John Malkovich. It is available to buy on Amazon uh, for $7.50 on DVD right now. With Prime, you can have it in two days. Um, you can, of course, rent it digitally on whatever streaming service you like. If you do use Amazon, I would love for you to go to our website and click on the link um, from, uh, if you are listening to this podcast, this podcast post, at the bottom there will be a link to the DVD or the Blu-ray or the um, digital copy on Amazon Instant. If you click there and buy it through us, we get a kickback. It's super small, but anything helps. So if five of you or a hundred of you or a thousand, I wish, um, were to click on this, it would help us out. It just helps pay for the website, pay for the podcast hosting. Um, I am going to be adding a PayPal donation um, button. So if you want to just donate one time to the to the, the cause to help the site and everything keep going, you'll be able to do that. And we do have a Patreon page. So if you want to keep subscribing, you want to make sure we don't go away, you like listening to us and you would be so devastated if we went out of your life, you can donate on the you Patreon page and um, <laughs> all those things. But the big thing is if we watch Being John Malkovich, we would love to hear your thoughts about the film or you can hear you can tell us what you thought about uh, the fundamentals of caring. Maybe you're the, we're the reason you finally watched that movie. We'd love to hear your thoughts, and we will read them on the podcast if you send them to us. There are three ways. You can tweet at me, at Burke Reviews, at Burke Reviews. Burke is spelled B-E-R-K. I'm hoping you know that since you're listening to us. Uh, and you can tweet at Corey. Oh, there's nothing coming out of your mouth, Corey. Um, oh, I, dang it. Now I hear you. Now at I hear you. Corey, with an E, R, star with two R's on the end. Yeah, Corey, C-O-R-E-Y. Um, yeah, which you. I guess we never thought to spell that. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's the traditional spelling of Corey, not the uh, feminized, you know, girly version of Corey, like K R I or C R I. Um, but Corey R star two R's at the end. Um, or you can email me at uh, it's John Burke at BurkeReviews.com. There will be links to all of those on our website as well to make this as easy as possible. And honestly. You can even comment on the the post on our website, BurkeReviews.com, or on our SoundCloud post. If you're listening to this right from SoundCloud, you can comment right on the on this episode, and we will look at it, and we will hopefully read what you say. Um, any way you want to reach out to us, we are available. We're on Instagram at BurkeReviews. Um, we're on um, f- Facebook. If you search BurkeReviews on Facebook, you will find our, uh, our fan page there. We'd love to have you on all of our different social media connections. Um, we look forward to talking again next week about being John Malkovich and whatever movies are coming out on April 28th. Corey, until then, have a good weekend. Thanks. 
and I'm going to Star Wars Celebration. Peace. Bye. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>